Welcome to another positive podcast where we will be interviewing a remarkable woman who will be sharing with us some very insightful and helpful information and tools. And today I'm really excited to introduce you all to Rifka Fishman, also known as the Bully Proofer. Um, let me give you a little bit of background so you can understand what I'm saying when I call her a Bully Proofer. So Rifka grew up in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and graduated from Torah College with an undergraduate degree in psychology. She has taught elementary school, middle school, teenagers, and adults for over 20 years, and she currently teaches middle school at the Torah Day School of Houston. Rifka is a recipient of the Irving L. Samuels Outstanding Teacher Award for Judaic Studies and of the Green Spoon Steinhardt Award for Excellence in Jewish Education. She has spent many years researching and implementing effective ways to minimize fighting between children. Currently, Rifka coaches parents and runs workshops to teach parents and children and educators how to bully-proof their children. So Rifka is also the author of an amazing book called Sarah, the, ba the Bucket Filler, a book recommended by teachers and parents around the world as an important tool to teach parents and children how to be kind to others and to stay happy. So Rifka, let's get right into it. First of all, let me begin by thanking you for being here today and for giving us your time to discuss a very important topic. And, and first off, I wanna ask you, how did you get into this particular specialty? I mean, dealing with bullying. Is there a personal connection? Were you bullied as a child or did you witness it, you know, someone else being bullied? There must be something that triggered your interest and passion for bully-proofing our children. Well, thank you, Razel, for inviting me to chat. Um, so my first few years of being a teacher, I was pretty young. My children were pretty young and I felt like if a kid was being mean to another kid, it must be because they were being, they were just raised wrong, right? When you're 25, you know everything. And so the parents were just raising their kids wrong. And then what happened is my children, my close friends' children um, were in my classes and they were acting mean. And I was like, wait a second. I know that these kids are being raised in amazing families who do kind things for people on a regular basis. And these kids are still being mean. Maybe I was wrong in that theory that if kids are mean, they're just raised wrong. So I started looking into different kinds of programs which could help kids be nice all of the time. That was my goal, make kids be nice all of the time. And as I looked into these programs, um, I was looking into anti-bullying programs. That's what I thought this was. Really, bullying is much more severe than what I'm seeing. And, um, but I was looking into anti-bullying programs. And as I looked into these programs, I felt like it just, they didn't jive with my value system. It included tattling. It included um, scapegoating. It included being very judgmental. And it just, it, it, it just didn't feel right to me. Mm. And almost, Around the same time that I was about to completely give up, I went to a workshop by Izzy Kalman, and he taught about, instead of it being anti-bullying, it was bully-proofing. And bully-proofing is really victim-proofing, which is teaching kids how to not be a victim. And it just worked. It went with the principles of you know, don't do to other people what you wouldn't want them to do with you. And I've been using it ever since, you know, I tweaked a little bit of what he did, um, you know, as a class, I'm a classroom teacher and administrator. He's a psychologist. So we see it from different perspectives sometimes. 
um, also being a mom. And um, so I, I do things a little bit differently, but based on his general philosophies, which is you can't make anybody do anything. The only person you can control is yourself. So um, that's really how I got into it. Interesting. That's so fascinating. So basically from being a teacher and seeing it firsthand, you got to see that it's not that parents aren't doing their job right. It's, it's not even just children. We see bullying in the workplace, in our lives with adults. It's just children are small adults, basically. So that's amazing. Um, you know, statistically, one out of every five children are bullied. And we know that bullying affects all youth, including those who are bullied and those who bully others, as well as those who witness bullying. It can have an impact on them too. And we know that the effects of bullying can continue well into adulthood. We know that youth who are bullying others are usually being bullied by somebody else in their life. And to be fully transparent here, one of my children was severely bullied and it had major ramifications for that child and for our family. So I know very well the effects of bullying and how serious they can be. And there's a lot of research out there on bullying and the negative effect that it causes. I'm curious to hear your opinion on the effect that bullying actually really truly has on our children. So first of all, I'm really sorry that your kid and your family had to go through that. It's incredibly painful. So that's first of all. Truly was, but I will say also really a learning experience. Like I learned so much about myself, about my child, about bullying, about my, you know, things that I can do to help my child. So yes, it was difficult, but also there was a lot to be gained from it. So anyway, go on. So that's really great that you see it that way, because a lot of times what happens is when a parent sees their kid be bullied, we go into our natural instinct, in, like instinctual responses, which <clears throat> to want to save our child. There's an interesting statistic actually that 80% um, of kids who are bullied, their parents were bullied as a child. So that's even more so when you kid going through something that you went through and you want to save them from going through the same thing. A lot of times parents don't see it as a learning experience, as something that you can grow from and learn how to become more resilient from. And I don't fault those parents at all because it's really tough. But I'm sure that your whole entire family is better off because you were able to see it as a learning experience, not taking away from the painful side of it. Um, you know, sometimes growth is painful and I wish it wouldn't have to be. Um, so what I focus on more than the severe bullying that it sounds like your kid um, unfortunately experienced is training teachers and parents so that when kids um, experience something that's, um, hey, I'm using the word minor, but to them it's not minor, to them it's a huge deal. You know, the kid who always runs in the line and bumps into them when they get there. The kid who says, ew, your tuna fish stinks at lunch. Um, any of these kinds of things where when a kid and a teacher and a parent can all learn how to handle it um, the right way, what it does is it keeps the kid from getting to that point where the bullying gets so severe in a lot of the cases. Now, I'm not saying that if you had taken my course before this happened, you know, we might not have encountered these kids who it sounds probably like a very extreme case. However, think about what it would look like are, um, are you a teacher as well, Razel? Yes, yes. I mean, not currently, but I've been teaching for over 20 years, yes. Okay, so as a teacher, think about how much more you could get done 
if you weren't dealing with the constant, she said this, she looked at me funny, she da 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 da, da right? Absolutely. Kids to handle these things themselves and to be able to see it as, you know, okay, it's not about me, he's having a tough day. They, it helps most kids from getting to that point where it has these long-term repercussions. Now, like I said, there are the extreme situations which are, I'll pass that along to Izzy Kalman or a therapist because I'm not gonna pretend that as a coach, I can handle something to that degree. Um, but, um, but there's definitely, there, there can definitely be a long-term effect, but when kids are taught the right things, that it's not about me, it changes it from being like it changes some, you know, in some cases, bullying is so severe, it can affect somebody's entire self-esteem, self-image, self and they can just feel like all of the time they could feel like there's something wrong with them and they take that into adulthood. They become the victim, the perpetual victim, where everybody's always out to get me. And that can definitely stem from severe bullying situations. But when somebody can realize this is not about me. There is something going on with that other person or they would not be picking on me. It takes it from being personal to like, okay, there's something wrong with them. That doesn't mean it doesn't hurt the feelings because really it can be very painful. But the difference is, is it gonna bother me for an hour? Is it gonna bother me for a few days? Or am I gonna still be thinking about this when I'm 35 and my own kid comes home from school from, with something like this? Hmm. So. Um, that's why I see victim proofing as so important. Yeah, definitely. That's um, very true. I, you know, as you were speaking, something that came up for me was I was thinking about the term of post-traumatic growth versus, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, they, that whole idea of from a difficult, challenging experience, we can grow from it. Similarly to a seed that's planted that has to literally, you know, decompose completely until it can actually grow into something like a flower or a fruit tree or whatever it is. So I, I do see that that is a possibility and it's probably better to actually focus on that point than to focus on what is a negative impact. You know, we all know that it's negative and it's difficult. So to know that there's things that we can do already to help our children is, is very powerful. Um, according to the research, out there, most of the bullying that's happening is actually in school and online and social media. I was actually surprised to read that 42% of bullying is occurring in the classroom itself. You know, I was always under the impression that it was happening away from the adults, away from the teachers or supervisors. And I thought it was happening at recess, but 42% is actually in the classroom and, or, you know, that was surprising to me. What, what is your take on that? I'm actually pretty surprised about that as well. Um, in the schools that I've worked with, with the teachers and parents that I've spoken to, it almost always happens when there's no adult around. Um, when a parent wants to know, like, how do I tell the teacher what's going on? I always say, make the teacher your partner and let the teacher know where these things are happening and when they're happening so that the teacher knows to specifically look out for that because, um, we're busy as teachers, you know, we don't micromanage at recess all the time or in the lunchroom. Um, but it's basically, um, if a teacher can be aware of where it's happening, she can place herself there so that she can hear what's going on and get involved herself. Not involved in a way, I, I always say, like, don't make it like you 
are rescuing this child because you don't want the child to feel that he needs to be rescued. But like, hey, we don't talk that way here. Hey, let's speak nicely. Um, and um, so I'm actually very surprised about that 40%, 42% in the classroom. Yeah. I'm talking about places where it's, I guess, like a big classroom and things right. without anybody noticing. And they have computers and they're chatting back and forth or they're sending notes back and forth. But other than that, I really do think it happens when adults are not around. Yes, definitely. I, I, I agree with that. So you talk about bully-proofing our children. So how does one go about helping their child to be bullyproof? Can you share with us some tips and tools that, you know, us parents or teachers or, you know, even whoever's listening can use to help themselves, so their child become more bullyproof? Sure. So um, definitely try it yourself first before you try teaching it to your kid. Try using some of these skills yourself. But when your kid comes to you, this is a very abridged version of my webinar. The first thing you want to do is you want to empathize without overreacting. So that means that we are not going to say to the kid, oh, man up, or come on, grow up, or this isn't such a big deal. Why are you so sensitive? None of that. None of that. Mm -hmm. We want to empathize. Wow, she called you that? That could not have felt nice. Um, you know, let's, let's do something, or let's, you know, in some cases, distraction is fine. In some cases, you can say, um, you know, next time if she calls you that, you could make a funny joke about it. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but um, what's important is not overreacting because when a parent overreacts or a teacher for that matter, the kid might've thought it was like a little, you know, okay, this is a little problem. This happened to me. But when the parents freak out, he called you, what? What did he just say to you? I cannot believe it. That is not okay. I'm calling your teacher right this second. And that happens all the time. <laughs> um, it makes the kid think that this is a huge deal. Oh my gosh, if my mother thinks that this is such a big deal that she has to call the teacher right this very second, then this is a much bigger deal than I thought it was and I should clearly be more insulted than I already was. Mm. Um, and, but don't forget the empathizing part. But Big piece. Without overreacting in that way. So it's, it's really like, you know, paraphrasing back to them what they're saying, but with empathy and, and with kindness. Yeah, a lot of times the kid might just want to be heard and we'll move on from there. And if they want to go further about it, then you can discuss it further. So in discussing it further, you want to help the kid understand this is not about me. This is, there's something going on with the other person. So in my book, I put it in terms of bucket filling, that everybody has a bucket. And um, when your bucket is full, it's because you feel good about yourself and everything that's going on. And when your bucket is empty, you don't feel so great. And that sometimes people want to fill, think that they can fill their own bucket by taking out of somebody else's bucket to put it into their own. And that doesn't work. And um, to put it on adult terms, kids don't like it when somebody else succeeds and they don't. Lots of adults don't like that either if they're not emotionally mature. Um, so when a kid can understand, like, there's nothing wrong with me. That person must want to feel bad, must feel bad about himself. So he's trying to make me feel bad too. That's really important to understand. Um, the next thing is, um, there's a video that you can watch on my website or at the top of my Facebook page, Sarah the Bucket Filler. And it's a version that I did with my daughter and her friend um, to teach kids, but you can do the same thing as, a, as an adult, how to respond so that being mean isn't fun for the other kid 
because that other kid who's in pain for whatever reason and is being mean to you, it's not going to really fill their bucket, but they're going to feel good, unfortunately, if they can get you really upset. It's a lot of fun. And it's hard to understand this if you're not a mean person, but if you play the game that Izzy Kalman came up with, it's in that video, um, it, you can see how it, um, it can be fun. And when you don't make it fun, the other person is going to stop. It also try, helps the kids see it as a game rather than like insult, insult, insult. It's almost like, ooh, let me wait till they insult me so I can play this game. And the best way to understand that further is really by watching the video. Where can they get this video? It's on my website, sarathebucketfiller.com, our Facebook page, sarathebucketfiller.com. It's on the top of that. You can also search YouTube for that or for my name. It'll come up. Great. Um, it's, a, it's a short one, and um, the kids who made the video were seven at the time. And the other girl didn't actually know what we were doing. My daughter had practiced, but the other girl didn't. So it was a very live experiment. In that wow. Time. I want to check that out. So um, acting this way, responding to somebody else in a nice way, even when they've been mean to you, stops the bullying in its tracks because they, like, what else are you going to say? But what it also does is you're fulfilling what every religion out there has as their golden rule in some sense. Um, in Judaism, we call it love your fellow as yourself which is treat somebody else the way that you would want to be treated. So if you're having a really hard day and you're taking it out on somebody else because you're having a really hard day and they fight back with you, your day isn't getting any better, even though that might be fun for you for a few minutes. But if you're being mean to somebody else and they something, say something back to you that's actually kind and catches you completely off guard, then it's, it might change your day. You never know. Depends on the depth of the situation, of course. Okay, so then the next thing you want to do is you want to encourage kids to consult with an adult. You do not want them to think that the adult is going to solve their problems for them. And the adult needs to resist the urge to solve the kid's problem for them. You know, it's very tempting to call a school and say, this kid needs to be out of my kid's class. Or to call another parent and say, do you know what your kid said to my kid? Never do that, by the way. Um, the adults can role play with the kid and can teach the kid skills um, so that they're empowered, so that they are resilient, and so that they know they can work things out on their own. And this is such a gift that we can give our kids. Um, but really only when we do it as a consultant, not as the one who solves the problems for them. Um, lastly, and this is important, when bullying becomes a crime, and by a crime I mean if this happened to you as an adult from another adult, you would call the police. And that's when as a child, the child should also get an adult involved right away. So that would be if somebody is stealing their things, um, it can be if somebody is hurting them to the point that they're bleeding or something is broken or bruised, God forbid. And in those situations, that's when, you know, as an adult, we call the police, the kid needs to get an adult involved right away. There are definitely things kids can say for that as well, like, you know, to stop them. But if a kid doesn't know what to do in the moment, that's when you need to get an adult involved right away. So the, the main thing that I'm, that I'm picking up is the first and the most powerful thing, which is teaching them to not react the way that the bully would want, that their reaction is really what's keeping the bully continuing the behavior. 
because the way you're reacting, if not, they're going to go to somebody else. And it's kind of like taking the wind out of their sail. Like it's like, whoosh, like they don't even know what to do. I mean, I had experience um, years ago when I was, you know, 17 years ago or 16 years ago, I was teaching and a parent came into a classroom and she was, you know, a top-notch lawyer who just came in and made things happen and was annoyed that I didn't take into account her child's grade or where she was coming from or the background that the child was had. And she came in and she just dropped the F-bomb on me and said, what the F's wrong with you? And I remember like the, just like being like, what do I do? I've never been spoken to like this before. And I said, you know, she might've been expecting me to like come back at her. And then she wasn't trying to bully me. She was upset and she was clearly letting it out on me. And I kind of just said to her right at that moment, I said, wow, you seem really upset. Why don't you tell me what's bothering you? And she like, didn't know what to do. Like she was expecting me to say, well, no, you're wrong. Don't talk that way to me. This is my classroom. No one talks to me that way. You can get out of here right now. And we sat down, we talked, and I actually agree with some of the points she brought up about the grading system. I heard her out. And by the time the conference was over, we were friends. And today we are really good friends. And um, like she has become a supporter of the Chabad as well as a family friend. So like, it's, it's amazing that, I don't think she was trying to bully me. I, I don't think that's a good example specifically, but, but what, you know, it's the idea of how we, we react to things, how we respond to things can really change the course of how it's gonna go all about our reaction. Sure, because even if, you know, when somebody says something mean or does something, it's really tough to know, even like for sure for a kid, whether they're trying to be mean or whether they're just, you know, a kid with no filter who the first thing that comes into their head flies out of the mouth, you know, like the example with the tuna sandwich, you know, like yeah. your tuna smells. That's just what come out of their, came into their head and out of their mouth. They're not necessarily making the other kid feel bad. But the minute it becomes a, you made fun of my lunch, I'm going to tell my teacher, it becomes like a whole big thing. And if we can, you know, control the reactions and respond in a the way, then... Um, that's a big piece of it, yeah. And that's something that I naturally have been teaching my kids without, like, just knowing that. Because you can see that it's a certain kind of child that's bullied. And that's what I'm curious about when you say that. It's like, you see it's a certain type of sensitive and, you know, more you know, they pick up on these small things that bother them, they're, they're more likely to be targeted. Is, is that, would you say that that's true? They are. And specifically when they're the kind of kid who has a hard time controlling, like, hiding, I guess, how they're feeling. Now, in general, you don't want kids to hide how they're feeling. Like, we want to be in touch with their emotions. Absolutely. If you let somebody else know that their comment has ruined your whole entire day, you're not actually helping anybody. It's just kind of feeding, almost like when you like when you like throw bread to some birds to get them to go away and then more come and more come. Right. It kind of, there are certain personalities and it's not their fault that invites that. And when you can help, you know, like you mentioned a sensitive person, when you can help a sensitive person see that that's actually a great quality, it helps you be sensitive to other people too. Let's see what's going on with that other person that they'd be saying this to you because this isn't about you. You're awesome. And, um, right. No, that's, that's a great, can learn these you're skills. awesome. I like that because that's, that's exactly when I think about that, this story that I mentioned before is that I wasn't feeling insecure as a teacher. I wanted to hear her perspective. I felt confident in who I was and what I had done. And I was able to then listen and come from, you know, go to her shoes, go into her place and space and say, what is she experiencing? Um, so 
Ever since bullying has become a topic and we've been educating our children about the negative impact and the effect that bullying has, I find that many students and children are using the term bully, you know, very easily. Like they just throw it around. Oh, she's bullying me. He's bullying me. So how can a parent or a teacher clearly tell if they're dealing with real bullying? And when is a child just using trigger words and looking for extra attention? So like, what would be some clear signs or red flags for parents or teachers that they should look out for? Okay, so a couple points on that. So first of all, um, in most school shootings, the shooter is usually a victim, not a bully. Um, they're just tired of being a, a victim and they lash out. That's so powerful. So you're saying that all most times these children are victims themselves. Correct. They weren't the school bully. They go shoot the school bullies first. Wow. It's in most accounts. Of course, you know, in these kinds of situations, there's a, no, no, that's not true. This is the way that, you know, but in most cases, that's really the case that the shooter powerful. is the victim, emphasizing the need to victim-proof kids. Um, and at the same time, we want to look at kids as kids. And when we look at a kid as a bully, it kind of can make them feel like, okay, that's what you think I am and that's what I am. Um, just briefly, there's a great video that people should really look up. It's called How to Make a Bully from Scratch. It's put out by Conscious Discipline. And it really explains the bully, the bully and victim situation in a lot of details. Um, but the basic idea is that every kid needs love, every kid needs connection. And if you're pushing them away, it's, um, it's not helpful. Now, you asked about like, you know, kids just complaining all the time about, um, you know, she bullied me, like using it to get attention. So if a kid is coming to you with these things because they want to get attention, we want to give them attention, but we don't want to give them attention for that because whatever you focus on is just going to become bigger. So if they figure out that they can get a lot of attention by coming to you and telling you or the teacher that they've been bullied, they're going to keep doing that. But use that as your red flag to know that your kid needs attention in other ways and then try to look out for other ways to do that. Um, that's a good one. So you know, realizing that that's a red flag right there. They need more connection. They may need more attention and love and one-on-one -on -one time, right? So where the red flags are gonna come up is often more when a kid isn't telling you anything mm. and really generally not themselves. And if extra bucket filling from you isn't helping and they don't wanna talk about it, I really recommend um, finding a therapist for the kid because sometimes that is very much needed. They can help, you know, with the whole situation, but a therapist who advertises that they teach resilience strategies rather than like, okay, let's fix the situation. Let's pull your kid out and put them in a new school. That's sometimes required that you sometimes need to do that, but usually that's not the only solution to a problem. Um, but you know, especially when it's more minor, but, um, but really a therapist who teaches resilience strategies is going to be the most effective in empowering um, the kids. Wow. Okay. That's good to know as well. You know, like I mentioned earlier, so I personally had a child who was bullied in high school and it was very difficult, like I mentioned, to witness and the effects and the trauma that was, was really harsh. But like I said, it was also a learning experience for that child about themselves, about 
how they were putting themselves out, how they were responding to it. And they learned a lot about themselves as well. And a lot of growth happened as well because of it. But, you know, recently I was made aware that one of my children, our younger children were bullying another child. And I thought all along, you know, what could be worse than being a parent of someone who is being bullied? Like the pain is so intense and you feel your child's pain so deeply. And then I realized that, hey, the guilt, the shame, the pain that I was feeling, knowing that my child was hurting another child and causing that kind of pain because I had already experienced that was much worse than I had imagined. I, I was actually surprised by that. I was surprised that, you know, parents, you know, especially when they're younger children, there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of pain involved. What, what, do, you, what do you think about all that? So it's hard to know which one is more painful, really. In a right. way, we feel way more guilty if our kid is being the mean one because, wait, what did I do wrong? But, um, you know, as parents, we don't get to control everything that comes out of our kids' mouths. And as soon as they see that when this has come to our attention, like I'm sure has happened with you, like this is not okay, this is not our value system. I bet your kid's already being nicer, just the fact that you've oh, yeah. had a discussion. Um, yeah, we had a really great conversation about it. Um, and it's interesting, I went, from the, I went from the approach of describing the pain that I had experienced with my older child. And this child's a very sensitive child. And I mean, I didn't even have to bring up the, a name or anything. He instantly knew who I was talking about. And there was a lot of like guilt around it. And I want to change this. I, I want, I, I don't really want this. This is something that the, is an environment now in the class. And I want to, I want to kick it. I want to stop this behavior. So thank God it was, we kicked it. We nipped it in the bud really early. But like you said, it was surprising to me. And just, I, just to help with the guilt a little bit, this isn't an excuse for any child who's being mean, but this is for parents to know if all of a sudden their kid is acting in a way that just isn't them and is not how you raise them. These days in specific, but even before COVID, life is stressful and it's full of anxiety. And anxiety doesn't bring out the best in people. It just doesn't. And when your bucket feels that way from all of the anxiety and uncertainty that's going on, um, you, you act out in ways you might not otherwise. So we're not excusing a child's behavior. We're still going to correct them, of course. But it's important for parents to realize if your kid is being mean, handle it, deal with it. But it doesn't mean that you raise them wrong. There's just a lot of challenges involved. And yeah, yeah. And then it's like you said, it's a lot of times the child that's bullying is insecure or struggling with something on their own and they need some more bucket filling, as you say. So, yeah. Now, I, I've also read that 50% of bullying uh, situations can be stopped when a peer or a friend intervene on behalf of the student or the friend being bullied. Do, do you find that to be true? Because I was always under the impression that the child that is being bullied can stop it by changing their own reaction and not having somebody advocate for themselves. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts on this? Um, so I agree with your statement that when a kid learns how to react, it's much more effective because there are a lot, of, again, these anti-bullying programs that I'm just not a fan of involve a lot of- and that's, and that's where I got a lot of my information. I did some, you know, my own research on bullying and a lot of these statistics that you're like, mm, I don't know, I'm not finding it that way. That's where I got it from a lot of these programs actually online, anti-bullying programs. 
it could be that in inner city public schools, it's just different than the schools I generally deal with, which is mm. Jewish private schools, a few public schools here and there, but I, I really don't see that. What I see is when other kids get involved, which is rare, either it becomes a whole class fight or the other kid who got involved finds themselves to be the target. And why would anybody want to make themselves the target? It's much more effective for the kids who are nearby to be able to afterwards or when, after it happens, when the bully has gone, I hate calling kids a bully, honestly, when the kid who's being mean is gone to go over to the kid and they're like, eh, he talks that way to everybody, just ignore him. Come, let's go do our homework together or something like that to help build the other kid up without taking that risk of stepping into a hot situation, making it worse or becoming the target instead. Now let's think about it from an adult perspective for a second. You're in line at customer service at the store. The person in front of you in line is yelling at the poor cashier behind the counter that really doesn't know how to fix this problem. There are some adults who would say, hey, can you give the lady a break? Why are you yelling? But most adults would probably just stand there looking uncomfortable. And the best thing you could probably do is when that angry person walks away, say, he must have been having a bad day and took it out on you. Thank you so much for everything you're doing to help all the customers. You know, that's just what is in everybody's comfort zone. And it's most helpful, you know, like it just, we want to. That's a, that's a great metaphor example right there. Yes. That's, that's excellent. And, and, and like you said, the children can go and afterwards say, you know, they could fill their bucket. They can be busy filling that other child's bucket. And like you said, even with the teacher giving positive, not necessarily connected to the fact just because you were bullied, I'm going to take care of you, but because, you know, Hey, want to go play at recess. You want, you know, connecting with them and filling their bucket. That's a great, that's a great answer. I love that. Um, so how does one deal with a situation where the teacher is the bully? You know, unfortunately, I've actually personally heard or seen teachers actually bullying their students. And when I say bully, again, I'm not going to use the word bully. I'm going to say mean, say a mean comment. And I see that they don't often mean it. It's like they say sometimes they simply lack social etiquette, <laughs> proper social etiquette to realize that they're even doing it. And the research actually that I've been reading, which might not be so accurate, shows that about 15% of children are likely to be targeted by teachers. And so do you find this to be true? And what can a parent do to help their child? You know, specifically when it's a private school, we're speaking about a more of a private school setting or small community school where my children go to school. What do you think the best way to go about this? Because when you approach a teacher, they become defensive and no, I didn't say that, I didn't mean to say that, that's not what I meant. And, on, and they might take it on the child too. So what, what would be the best way to go, go around that? And I realize I asked you a bunch of questions here, but I think you can handle it. Let me know if I miss anything. Okay. okay. So I don't know about 50% of kids being targeted. No, by 15. I think it was 15. 15. Yeah, smaller. Still, I would say 100%. Really? Oh, if there's a kid who can go through their school system without mm -hmm. ever encountering a teacher who yells too much, who's too sarcastic, or who has, you know, their own stuff going on that, you know, as a teacher, you're supposed to leave that outside the door. But when you just had a really hard morning and you're really stressed about what's coming up, how do you really leave that outside? You should try. I try every day, but it's, you know, it, it it's just going to be the way it is. If your kid goes through all of their years in school, if you went through all of your years in school without ever having a teacher like that, true, really lucky because I, I don't know how often that is. And then we have 
in the small communities where we have small schools or even not, you know, even when they're bigger, it's really hard to find good teachers. Yeah. It's really hard. And it's only getting harder because being a teacher is more challenging than it ever was and people are jumping ship. So in some ways, schools are stuck with teachers that they know are just going to be not the best kind of thing. And hmm. so what we can do is we can help our kids because we're not going to change that 45-year-old um, man who has been this way his whole life. And if we can't get him out of the classroom, which is not always possible, then we want to teach the kids how to handle this again in the same kind of way that they don't personalize it. Lots of times I'll tell a kid to play social detective. So they can do this with their friends to see if a friend speaks this way to everybody or whether they are the target. But specifically with, specifically with a teacher, he always picks on me. He's always yelling at me. He's always telling me to do this. He's always telling me to put my mask back on. Any of those kinds of things. You want to say to the kid, I want you to go to school and be a social detective. Pay attention. Maybe make a note on a piece of paper, like a little check mark, just so, you know, so it doesn't distract you too much from class. Every time the teacher corrects somebody or yells at somebody or is sarcastic with someone that um, in the same kind of way that you're hearing him do it to you and see if it's just you. I bet it's not just you. Now, that doesn't mean it feels good when you're yelled at. It doesn't feel good at all. None of us like being yelled at. None of us like being made fun of or put on the spot or anything else. And I really wish you wouldn't do that but there just are people in the world who are like that. We're gonna keep encountering those kinds of people, even though we wish we could maybe move to an island where everybody's nice all the time. This is the world we're in at the moment. And you want the kid to know this isn't about me. And you know, you can always ask the principal to keep an ear out, to intervene when it's, to intervene when it's possible. It's not always possible. So we right. want our kids to learn how to handle Again, so you're saying that the parents should empower the child and make them realize it's not personal. Again, same thing. They may be having a hard day. Look how they do that to other students as well. That's just how he talks. And I like how you say the social detective. That's, that's a cute spin on that. I'm totally going to use that. I love it. I actually had that conversation with my child this morning. I'm questioning myself, was I empathetic enough <laughs> as I'm listening to you speak? Um, you know, as we know, bullying doesn't end with school. It often carries into the workplace and workplace bullying takes many forms. You know, a coworker can humiliate you or ostracize you by gossiping about you or talk behind your back or subtly undermine you in public. Sometimes it's overt. Sometimes it could be an offensive joke. So what can adults do to help when themselves, when they're experiencing somebody in their workplace or in their adult life that is behaving like mean or a bully. So when I first learned these skills from Izzy Kalman and I started to put my own thoughts into it, before I ever taught it to any kids or to any parents or teachers, I tried it myself for a little while. I wanted to see how it could work for me. And um, it works really well. All the same kinds of things. Knowing it's not about me, knowing it's the other person in pain, knowing, you know, responding in a way like you did with that uh, par angry parent that just de-escalates the whole situation. Um, all of the same things work. And just like a kid needs, you know, that caring adult who will listen to them and empathize with them, but not let them get stuck in it and move on and come up with solutions, we need that as an adult as well. 
we need somebody who we can vent to, which is what we call it when we're adults, I guess, um, that will empathize with us, but also will help us move past it, will help us say, you know, this is, you know, this is painful, this is awful, the fact that you're always being excluded from a certain situation, but you can go, you know, find somebody else. If you're excluded from there, find other people, be with people who appreciate you for who you are. We need people, as adults, we need our people, and we need to make sure that we have somebody to bounce it off that will help us, you know, move past this. Process it, yeah, that's a good point as well. So it's basically the same idea, children, adults, it's the same concept for all of us. So practicing it as parents and as teachers might be very helpful for us to then teach it to our children or our students. That's great. So let's talk for a moment about your book that you authored for children called Sarah, the Bucket Filler. And I love it. It happens to be my daughter's name is Sarah. So she was so excited when you sent it to me and we read it and we all saw, all my older kids were listening. It was on, it was on Sukkot or a holiday of Sukkot and we were sitting together and listening and all the kids were listening in and it was such a great message. It really, really liked it. I would encourage everyone to get the book and read it. She actually brought it into school and her second grade um, secular class uh, teacher educator um, read it to the class as well and he loved it. And it's really a story about how to get the bully off of your back because every person in the world has this invisible bucket that holds their good thoughts and feelings. And when our buckets are full, that means we feel good about ourselves and we're happy. When our buckets are empty, that means we feel bad about ourselves. And when people feel unhappy with themselves, they want other people to feel the same way. Don't we just misery loves company, right? And many people choose to empty other people's buckets. Somehow they think it does make them feel better. And maybe it does, because like I said, misery likes company. And it's just a great message. Can you share a little bit about how this book came to be and what the response has been to this book? I have to imagine it's been great because the impact just personally for me and my children was really wonderful. I use that phrase now a lot. Are you, you, that was so kind. You filled her bucket by saying that. And I use that with my children. So share with me what, what the response has been about this book and how this book came to be. So I had been teaching bully proofing for about five years. And my daughter, whose middle name is Sarah, um, got to kindergarten and I tried, to, she got a new kid in her class who made her life miserable. She couldn't say anything without him saying something back. And there was nothing I could tell her that would help her out of the situation. She was too young to understand the concept of, you know, he feels bad about himself. So he wants you to feel bad too. But all of a sudden, when we added this bucket filling concept, the bucket filling concept was from Donald, Donald Clifton. He's been talking about it since the 50s. There are several kids' books about bucket filling in general. I bought all of them thinking one of them would deal with bullying because it's so connected, but none of them do, which is why I wrote my own book. And when we started to talk about this and talk about how she could fill people's buckets to feel better, even if he was being mean to her, or how she could say something to him and it would help, it just worked. And so... I, after telling her the story at bedtime for a while, she said, you know, mommy, you should really write this in a real book so that everybody can hear about it. That's and great. That is, that's how it really came about. And I have gotten really great response from so many people about it. And I'm so happy that it's helping people stay happy and be kind. I've heard from parents who tell me that their two and three-year-olds are talking about bucket billing to people who email me and say, this concept, I bought this for my grandchildren. And I see how it's helping my children with their marriages. Yes. 
that's an unexpected, uh, <laughs> you know, consequence, I guess, but that's amazing. And my new book actually, which is in the editing and illustration process right now, is about a similar problem that um, is really big right now, especially with, you know, everybody's little social bubbles that people are keeping for health, um, is, which is um, clicks and exclusion and just, um, you know, helping to help kids understand, you know, go find somebody else to play with. And the same concept of there's nothing wrong with you. You're awesome. Mm. If he doesn't want to play with you, that's his deal. You find people you feel great playing with. That's so good. But I'm really excited to hear about this book and to when it's done, I want, I want in, I want to see this book. I'm very excited. Um, so it, it's, it's fascinating because, you know, I always felt like, don't be cheap with your compliments. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, you know, if you give too many compliments, then, then you're kind of not ruining them or spoiling them, but like, it's not really going to hold any value, but those are general compliments. When you give specific, you know, compliments and you, it's literally, it fills people's buckets. And like, I make an effort, like if, when I'm on social media, even I will make a point to comment on people that I'm not necessarily very close with, but like to just put out that kindness, that goodness in the world around me. And I notice that it fills me. I notice that when I'm doing that, I actually enjoy social media more instead of focusing on, oh, they have that and I don't, I actually feel more uplifted. So when I'm going on there to actually give love, I actually don't walk off social media feeling yucky, like, oh, I just wasted time, but I actually lifted it up and actually, you know, took that time and used it wisely. So it's really, I actually read it to my children, but like I said, it's made an impact on me as well. So I just want to, you know, finish off and share with you all that I've personally found this to be very enlightening and I'm sure all my listeners have learned a lot. And if somebody's curious to learn more about this method of bully proofing or ideas that you shared with us today, where can they go to find more information again? So there's a lot of information in the back of my book. Um, I do have Facebook and Instagram. I have a very full-time job between my kids and my teaching and administrative uh, responsibilities. So I don't update it that often, but if you scroll through what I have posted in the past, you can see a lot of tips on that. Um, so that's Sarah, the bucket filler. Sarah has no H, but I think you should be able to find it either way. Love it. I love it. Again, Rivka, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing with us all. I've learned so much. And again, thank you. Wishing you a great day. Thank you. Okay.